Well, I know what Tony Robbins says, the quality of your life really comes down to the quality of the questions that you mm-hmm. ask yourself. So and uh, that was, yeah, the man, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I quote that all the time. Yeah, you do. Yeah. And that was kind of the conversation we had today with yes. JJ, right? We really dove into some of the, the vocabulary that we use to identify where we're at, where we're stuck, uh, the needs that we're uh, not being met mm-hmm. and the needs that we do want to have met. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we went through a great little exercise. Yeah, we did. And also just reiterating how we just see everything through the lens of emotions and how important this emotional body is. And we can't really get to that next level of healing unless we've been become aware of what emotions are driving all of our actions. Yeah. And, you know, she, she's obviously, JJ is very passionate about this, this topic. And as are we, I mean, understanding that there's an emotional connection to our physical, emotional health or, you know, wherever we're stuck uh, and appreciating that there's this story that's been, you know, brewing and mm-hmm. cultivating from, from, you know, childhood and mm-hmm. we're carrying it forward into to the now. And so it, it's an invite and a conversation back to re-identifying who we are, what we're capable of, where the, and the, the, this idea of change, change is constant. And it's, mm-hmm. it's the, it's one of the, you know, truths of this world. And so we can also change our physical health or mental emotional health we can change your story mm-hmm. yeah like all ancient medicine from chinese medicine to ayurvedic talks about stuck emotions being the reason for the stuckness in the physical body so such an important topic so hopefully you guys get a lot out of it and do the exercise with us as we're doing it in the call today and um, let us know what you think welcome to the health ignited podcast with your hosts dr nick and sonia jensen We are partners, parents, business partners, doctors, yoga teachers, and retreat leaders. We promise to bring you real conversations to awaken and ignite your potential to live your best life possible. Join us each week as we dive into topics varying from brain health, biohacking, hormones, and longevity, to relationships, parenting, meditation, and more. Together, creating community and building stronger foundations for the generations to come. What are you doing? You put this on my head. You tell me. <laughs> right now, Sonia is in her own little world. She's brain tapping. This is one of our favorite tools for creating uh, new neural pathways in the in the brain and really helping to tra- transform in the moment a state change, an emotional state change. So you can see Sonia's got some blue light flickering. There's some infrared light coming in through your ears. Basically, her hemispheres are getting balanced uh, through the hypnotic discussions and the binaural beats and the sounds. So it's basically retinal flashing, infrared light into the ears, this amazing dialogue communication to get your brain and emotional body in check. And uh, there's a whole lot happening here. And usually someone's reclined and, and totally relaxed, but. Yeah, and not having to hear two to three different voices. <laughs> yeah, so why don't you take it off? So what we're doing is brain tap. This is one of our favorite tools for helping to regulate the the neurological system, the emotional system, and basically create a passive experience to get into a deep, deep state of uh, that parasympathetic rest and digest state. Yes, because often people will say, well, I can't meditate or I don't have time to meditate or I don't know how. And by doing this, by using the visualization, the voice, everything there, you're actually reprogramming those neuronal circuits that have been 
created with old patterning that's not serving you right now. Maybe it's your food habits, maybe it's how you feel about yourself or even core wounds that are stuck in this cycle that are feeding your habits and actions. So it's, it's such a great way to get support. Oh, you can hear it now. Um, to get support and for all ages, this is something we use even yeah. with our children before they have a soccer game or if they're going through a rough time and anyone can use it in your household. Yeah, we've had a uh, pleasure of interviewing Dr. Patrick Porter a couple times on the Dr. Dads podcast, so you can t tune into that conversation. But really, you know, so many people are stuck in their emotional system. There's so many people are stuck neurologically in their old story and their old habituation and patterning. And uh, it's wonderful to have, have a tool to help to reintegrate uh, into a more balanced state. The dysregulated brain really is a brain that's going to lead us down to an emotional pathway and decision making that's not necessarily serving our you know, highest fulfillment, our highest potential. And so tools like this are absolutely so valuable in integrating into daily life. So, you know. How do you get one of these things, Sonia? Mm -hmm. So we will put the link in the podcast notes so that you can go grab yourself one of these. And I am sure there's going to be some specials coming up for Christmas. So grab one as a Christmas present because everyone in the family will benefit. Definitely. And then one last thing I will say is, you know, part of this is like an integration experience. So, you know, Sonia mentioned we give it to our boys before they go play soccer. But it's also great to do after an experience, like after a workout, after mm -hmm. maybe a challenging conversation. Because it's a way, like, if, if we can succeed in all the little micro moments throughout our day, we can integrate more effectively. And so this is a tool for locking in really positive behavior as well. So, you know, timing this, uh, this treatment through, you know, many of life's interesting circumstances can be a powerful tool to rewire the brain uh, in favor of mm -hmm. our highest potential. Yeah, for sure. So give it a try and please let us know how it goes. Hello again. Welcome back to another episode of Health Ignited with Dr. Sonia Jensen and myself. How are you? I'm good. I'm recovering. Yeah, she's yeah. got. If you watch, if you're watching the video, Sonia, look, it looked like she got a little shot on the the right hand cheek. Yeah. She had a little swelling there. Yes, it kind of came out of nowhere. But luckily, we have um, some great tools, and I was able to reduce it by I would say ninety percent within yeah, one day. It looks pretty mm -hmm. good. Yeah. So we're gonna we're, maybe we'll get into the emotional uh, aspect to what was actually happening in your cheek we on this could. podcast because mm -hmm. we've got a special guest. Mm -hmm. today her name is jj flizanis am i saying that right flizanis it sounds okay well, flizanes flizanes i want to i want to throw a little spanish well it's italian it's actually greek it's greek oh, okay. but i am greek and italian so you could say flizanes or you could say flizanes if you wanted to try to make yeah. it italian or greek okay it. well th that sounds like fun but we'll we'll stick with flizanes <laughs> thanks right <laughs> just for the sake of the call today but um so uh, we want to welcome you to the to the call today. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, so who is she? Who's who's JJ? So she's an empowerment strategist and the host of several podcasts. She actually has a network. She schooled us on what it means to have a network. She's got multiple podcasts sharing all about spirit, purpose, and energy. And she's a conscious human being teaching consciousness through the spiritual work that she does, helping people to remove their emotional energy blocks to success. And really a lot of those sabotaging patterns that can show up for people. So much of this stuff where we get stuck, it literally gets locked in the subconscious system. Mm -hmm. And it requires someone of special caliber and creativity and authenticity to help people uncover and unlock some of these things that are keeping us rooted in our belief system. So um, there's so much more here, but uh, welcome to the show, JJ. Thank you so much for being with us. 
Thank you, guys. I'm excited about our conversation. I know you said you want to go everywhere, so let's dive in because because <laughs> uh, we can cover a lot of ground. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Well, we had the pleasure of connecting with uh, Nisha Winters. Uh, mm. She's a naturopathic doctor, uh, a friend of ours, uh, mm-hmm. a few years ago, and she's just a lovely human being. And it turns out that JJ also had some some deep connection with her and is now working with her and mm-hmm. some of the patients that um, that are going through her her process. So it's pretty neat to see. You know, we were talking before we got on the call just how how much opportunity and connection happens when we were on platforms like this and really get to sort of cross pollinate and learn from one another and connect with people that are connected to the people that you're connected to. And so um, this conversation is really going to be about that, about connection. And uh, so welcome. Really, Mm -hmm. really happy you're here. Yeah. And before we got on the call, we were talking about disconnect and how often the patients that we work with, or I think humans in general, we believe that we get into a state of dis-ease because of disconnect. And so I'd love to hear from you, one, what got you into even recognizing that our old patterns and where we get stuck emotionally and energetically will block us from healing and how that awareness came about for you. Okay. Sound bites. Cause uh, that could be a story that takes up more than a few minutes. Uh, I actually started my journey on the planet uh, as someone very interested in emotions and expressing them, analyzing them, questioning them. And, uh, and I was very right-brained for a lot of my life. Even though I did well in school, I was more interested in the singing and the dancing and the acting and the and the athletics and the sort of self-expression. And I even went to school for musical theater. I was it was kind of therapeutic in a way because I didn't recognize until later how right-brained dominant I was in wanting to sort of always. And I'm a Pisces, so I'm a, I can be a very highly emotional person, and I would feel like this need to. Um, to release and to sort of move energy through my body. I use a term now when I say to people, if you're not crying or screaming or yelling every four months, you're emotionally constipated. Um, so in order to keep that energy flowing, because we have all these systems that in Chinese medicine obviously represent energy centers in all of our organs, we're meant to process emotions like air, in and out, in and out, in and out. And and so that right brain part of me, I when I left school and went to New York, I wanted to do, I could recognize that my left brain needed something to figure out. I was like, what am I going to do with my life besides like when I'm not performing or creating something? And I thought, well, I'm going to go be a personal trainer. And I learned that and I got really excited about learning about the body because I cared about my body. And I thought, oh, that'd be really cool to learn that. And I went down that path and realized how many personal trainers have no idea about science um, because I got introduced to science, to biomechanics, to anatomy, to physiology, especially biomechanics. Definitely one of my strong points as a trainer. So I became a personal trainer and my whole left brain got super lit up. And I'm like, God, I'm smart. Because you, when you're so right-brained, you think you're kind of just an emotional you know, theater geek and that you don't, you can't figure stuff out. And smart is not a label you put on yourself. I'm fun. I'm entertaining. I'm expressive but am I smart? I don't know. And then when I went into the right, into the left brain and started learning science in a mechanical way, I mean, biomechanics was the change. Definitely when I could see it and it made sense, I was like, Oh, I get it. Oh, I understand this. I understand physics. And so then I lived there for a little while. I lived in the left brain as a personal trainer and just couldn't like, just took courses and certifications over and over and over again until finally I could actually watch somebody draw physiology and then get it. Cause I'm like, it's all black and white when it became you know, mechanical and colors. Like, oh, I understand all the processes, chemical and electrical, from action potential to muscle contraction. Like when I could like learn these things. So did the personal trainer thing for a long time. 
in probably 25 years, I think uh, someone recently, because I'm a retired personal trainer, but in the personal training conversation, you have layers, you have layers of, of questions and answers. And I looked at the body from like from the inside out and I like, okay, let's look at the skeletal structure and the facet joints and your vertebrae and how they all move and play together. And then let's look at your, all the other joints and how they work and, and application of, 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 of gravity and of movement and of uh, resistance, right? And so how does that work? And then the muscles and then how do they work? And then that would just move me into, I learned about, I worked at a functional medicine clinic here in California. So of course I was learning about hormones and the endocrine system. And then we're looking at, so all of these different <laughs> aspects of physical health, but when I would work with people, I would just notice again, I would just question sort of, why are they doing this? Why are you in the gym? Why do you want to lose weight? Why are you taking care of your body? And all the different ways in which people were different. And then I remember having a client who, let's say we tested as much as we could have at the time, the much as, as much as I knew at the time. And the physical body, the physiology, what seemed to be the nutrients, everything seemed in alignment and everything was okay. So why does he still have debilitating back pain? So in comes the, like, let's dig a little deeper. And, oh, back pain, lower chakra, power center, liver, anger, Oh, this is emotional. Okay. So I, I just kept digging and digging and digging. And when I didn't have an answer, I'd go digging more to find an answer. And it just sort of expanded in my awareness of all there was from, you know, and then the, of course the top to me is quantum physics. So when we go from the physical body to quantum physics and we understand the umbrella of quantum physics and its effect on everything underneath it, right? It's still science, but it it's in a realm that we don't talk about because we don't, we don't test and measure emotion. We don't test and measure interpretation. But when we start to apply stress and emotion, emotional reactions, blocks, like in Chinese medicine, they don't even acknowledge cancer or a tumor. It's just stuck stagnant energy of chi in your own body. It's not something outside of you. It's something within you. So if we look at that system, which of course is thousands of years older than our Western medical system, when we look at that system, we have to ask things, ask different questions and understand why I was on a different podcast not too long ago. And we were talking about cancer podcasts and we were talking about the emotions and cancer. And I, and I remembered of the example of Christopher Reeve's wife, Christopher Reeve's wife died of lung cancer. She didn't smoke. She had grief. In Chinese medicine, the lungs represent grief. Like it, it makes complete sense to me, right? But everyone's like, oh gosh, how did she die of lung cancer? Like what was the problem? Oh, I don't know. Cause she lived with so much grief about taking care of her disabled husband and the life that they could have led and how that dramatically changed. It just all makes a lot of sense. So all of that sort of led to a lot of my clients that I was working with. I had so many, like for so long, I had this whole tribe of clients, personal training. And the more I would learn and the more I'd, because I'm always evolving and learning and growing, I tried to like bring them with me. That's kind of a theme in my life, actually. Now that I say that out loud, I was trying to bring them along with me and I'd come in, I'd want to like examine all the things that were stuck in their lives and why they weren't realizing their results more often or why wasn't it natural for them to... Uh, to want to eat better or, you know, when they got upset, when they would emotionally wreck everything that they did. And uh, so we just took that and I thought, well, these people don't really want what I have. So at some point I had to sort of step into without any validation credentials or anyone else telling me I could or should, in fact, the, quite the opposite. I had to step into what I believed uh, one of my zones of geniuses, which is to take a concept a big concept and break it down into small pieces and parts and an easy step-by-step for someone to understand things. And my vision to be able to see 
all the different pieces and how they work together and how the emotional components, how the stress, the interpretation, the belief system would either, you know, help serve somebody. I'm not here to tell anybody what to believe, but understanding what someone believes creates the framework from which they interpret, which creates their emotions. And then of course their results. So that is the shortest way that I can explain how I got here by just sort of honoring my own evolution and saying, okay, I'm going to put my flag in the ground. I'm going to put up my you know, uh, awning and say, this is what I'm doing now. And uh, so far, so good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so great. I mean, it's always neat to kind of see somebody's evolution, especially when you're in that world where you're working with others, because you see it first showing up in front of you. And then you start doing your own work. Cause I do find even with us, like the patients that we're working with, we're constantly learning how to evolve because we're constantly seeing or feeling, okay, where are they stuck? So how can we take them to this other level? And we can't go there unless we've gone there ourselves and had that bigger picture understanding. And to bring that though, in reality for those that we're working with, because often if somebody feels like there's emotions that are taking over, their um, reality in a moment, they're going to some sort of counseling or some sort of therapy. And I've recognized over the years, and I know you have too, it's like when you're just talking about it, you're not actually changing the, the pattern that has been developed now, even in your biochemistry and physiology, which is then feeding the story. So um, I would love for you to just unravel that a little bit for our listeners of like why we feel like talk therapy, maybe it has like a purpose in some levels that per- somebody's at, but why doesn't it always work? If somebody's going, someone's been going to counseling for therapy for 10 years, why are they still there? And why have, why haven't things shifted for them? That's a really big question. I, I will be able to answer part of that. I'll just let everybody know that I have done a free 90 minute talk. It's on my website. That's the three reasons why talk therapy is ineffective. And you're asking me a little bit of a different question. Mm-hmm. And I just want to back up for one second to pull this forward to make the connection in case people aren't. Um, I didn't realize how my acting background fit in this whole thing until literally Nasha was interviewing me for the doctors. And I was like, I was like, oh yeah, because when you're when you in the in the art and craft of of acting, you're literally putting on a new set of circumstances. You're looking through life from a different lens, one that is not yours, one that is a completely different person with a completely different experience. And the value to that is something that most people don't do because most people don't do that. They never look at life through someone else's lens to see how they would see things differently. And I, and that is such a, if you take the lessons from, I mean, now I'm sort of thinking everybody should, you know, do some kind of acting at some point in their life just to experience what that's like to embody a new set of a reality that isn't yours. And how would you react or respond in that? So let's flip back to the the therapy conversation. And why do I think people stay stuck in therapy for 10 years? Uh, The reason why I created this talk, the three reasons why talk therapy is ineffective is because I couldn't deny that on my podcast, after years of people listening and saying, oh my God, this is changing my life. And I, you know, had two sessions of therapy, found your show, and I'm happier than I've ever been, even though in five years in therapy, I was depressed and I couldn't ever not get depressed. It happened so often that I finally had to like pull back and go, okay, so what is this structure that people go to for therapy? And not that I didn't see it or experience it, I have, but I never really analyzed it as to why. And uh, and I think that in this conscious conversation, we have we have people that are naturally curious and seek to feel better and believe it's possible for them to feel better. And when you're that kind of truth seeker, that's kind of how I say I like to work with people, people that are truth seekers, 
And you're going to go extract as much as you can from this system. And again, it's not to say that there aren't amazing therapists out there doing all kinds of really great tools within their practice. I am sure of that. I had one of them, but I walked into her practice telling her what I wanted from her. I didn't say, here, lead me. I said, can you do this? And can you do this? And she said, yes. And then I got what I needed from her and I kind of outgrew because I got what I needed and I moved on. And one of the things about traditional talk therapy is it keeps you in your story. Like you guys were talking about is that, you know, and that the story, the story gets elongated. So sometimes when people feel abandoned as a core wound and they go to therapy, they get validated. The therapist is there to reflect back to them that they are worthy, that their feelings matter, that, and, and that's wonderful for a lot of people. That's what they're searching, but they're actually not searching change beyond that. And there's a little bit of a victim mentality that comes into sort of certain therapies. I like to say that there's two ways of looking at the world. You're either a victim who believes that things just happen to you randomly and that you've been dealt bad cards and now you have to figure it out. Or I like to operate and invite people to stretch into the complete opposite, which is that you're responsible for everything, not in a shame way, not in a guilt way, not in a you did something wrong kind of way. But what if you had a hand in contributing to the circumstance, to the action that happened for you? What would that be like if this had a broader perspective? How would you feel about it? Would it give it meaning? Would you feel better about it? And because we don't know the answer all the time to either one of those questions, I'd rather have people feel empowered on the journey than to feel disempowered. Because as a victim, you will always be disempowered. Maybe when someone validates you, you'll get what you need in that moment, which is to feel a certain love or worthiness but it'll be fleeting because the story stays the same. The story never changes. You're the victim. You know, people do things to you. And so I think people stay in therapy for different reasons. The main one being the validation piece. And that's when you have to ask the person, is this this change for you? Is this working? And I always say that, that healing happens and healing occurs when you're different in the same situation. And I've had clients that are therapists I worked with therapists both as my clients in different ways, podcast clients, as well as, you know, uh, personal training clients, as well as all kinds of coaching clients and worked in other people's practices. And I was seeing the pattern of avoidance. I was seeing the pattern of, oh, those people upset you and trigger you. So stop being with them. And I'm like, that doesn't feel right. (laughs) That's not healing. That's compensating. That's avoiding. Healing should be that you can stand in that place, in that same place and feel different feelings, not get triggered, feel love and compassion instead of. And not to mention, I started my podcast to save my marriage. Didn't work, but it helped me save other people's marriages. And it was exactly the way that it needed to be. It was my learning. It was my diving deep into this work. It was me applying it to myself. It was me stretching my boundaries. It was me making behavioral changes that ultimately served me in amazing ways. There was nothing lost. It was all gained, but it was, but it was an attempt to get the things that I wanted out of life and to find that connection within myself to change who I was being and not being defensive or reactive. Um, I think that it's comfortable for people. What we do, and including you guys in this, what we do when it comes to consciousness and emotion is not easy stuff. Dr. Davis asked me on our last podcast episode, he said, JJ, that sounds like it might be challenging for some. And I laughed. I was like, oh yeah, that's why most people don't do it. They'll change their diet. They'll take a pill. They'll go to surgery for crying out loud. They'll cut themselves open and remove an organ before they'll look themselves in the mirror or learn about communication or have compassion for themselves in a new way. 
It is, we run from our emotions. We don't embrace them. We run from discomfort. We numb it in every way possible, overeating, overdrinking, uh, shopping, being on the internet. I just came back from a retreat that I did on Friday. And I, for the first time, honored myself in a new way and did not turn on my cell phone, my iPad, or my computer from Friday at four o'clock until probably two hours ago today. And this is a Monday. And that disconnection to reconnect with myself while it was only two and a half days, I don't know. I remember the last time I took two and a half days to literally not look at my iPad or my phone at all because we're addicted. We get into this pattern of like, we can't sit with ourselves. We are so, you know, the great things about technology have the equal ramifications of bad things because how quickly technology moves and how much access we have at all times, we don't know how to sit and be still. So that's another area when we look at therapy and why I think that there are, I mean, there are several reasons why I think it fails us and it's not, but it's, it serves a lot of people in the way that they're willing to be served. Those are not our people. And when I did the talk the first time and I said, Hey, if you're here and you love your therapist and you're not in the right place, it's the people who go to therapy wondering, is this it? Why don't I feel better? Why does this keep happening? Why do I keep reacting this way? Why do I have to avoid those people? Why can't I feel love? And that's who I serve. And it's in a much different way than I think talk therapy does. Well, I think there's multiple opportunities here because if someone is <clears throat> getting their needs met, so to speak, from the therapist, there's also a place that maybe they didn't realize they could go with the therapist. And and you brought that up when you said that you went to go to see yours the first time you came in there with an agenda. I, I think most people just don't even think that, that that they could come in with an agenda. They're They're stuck in a mentality maybe where it's like, fix me, I'm broken, there's something wrong with me. And to not be able to have the the articulation or the awareness that they could go in and actually ask some really interesting questions. And so I think, you know, part of what you're doing, what I see what you're doing and what we're doing with our people too, is helping them ask questions because so many people are stuck, not because they've got these problems, because they don't know that there's something, there's an opportunity for healing on this other side of of where they're stuck, you know, and and I think about often just why is it that people would maybe choose a surgery over a diet change or, you know, or, you know, not recognize that they're emotionally blocked and that we've been all habituated in such a tremendous way from our upbringing onwards that, that we only know what we know. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's like you're, we're on the operating system that, that we've always known. And, you know, I think part of the curiosity for people is, is understanding, you mentioned connection, being able to connect their emotional pain, their physical pain, their spiritual pain back to the story that they're telling themselves, their identity and, and where they're getting stuck. So I'd love for you to talk a little bit about just um, unlocking that identity, because I think it it's easy to come from a place like I know, and I know what's wrong with you. I know where you're stuck, but you know, how do we gently open people up to the idea that they're, they're stuck in their identity? And, and start to have a dialogue around that because, um, you know, I think of the people even, like I said, that are, that really love the therapist. This isn't about loving your therapist. It's about how well do you know yourself and, and all these different aspects to, to who we are. So let's talk a little bit about identity. I, uh, I ran a three month beta program this year. It's, it's almost over, um, because I have a six month program that I do with, well, it started out as a certification and I told people who were interested in the certification to, and it's a very small amount of people, um, that I could lean on when I, you know, when I don't want to 
coach or, and in fact, I'm not even taking anybody on next year one-on-one, like you're either in this group program or I'm going to refer you to, to my other strategists. And I said, take this on as if it's you doing the work, not for me teaching you how to coach it. Like you have to go through it because without you having a deep and profound experience with the exercises, I don't know that you'll be able to relate to other people who are going through it if you're not going through it as an individual versus for you as a business. So I did that twice. And then I did a three-month version of it as a coaching program only wondering if, you know, how much could we do in three months with six months too much. And I quickly realized that I need the whole six months <laughs> for integration. And, uh, and one of the ladies that had called me who had been listening to my show a little bit and preferred by another doctor. And she said, I, I, I think I'm interested, but I probably need the six month. And I said, okay. And she said, no, JJ, and, and it's costly. It's, you know, it's definitely an investment yourself. And she said to me, she's, you know, I've spent over $200,000 on myself. I went to Dr. Joe Dispenza. I've done this, I've done that. She's like, but I still don't know why I do this. How, why do I react this way? Why don't I blah, blah, blah. And I, all the questions that she asked, and I said, oh, you'd get all those answers. You'll never ask that again. You'll know exactly why you do what you do. So when you asked about identity and you asked about our knowing ourselves, one of the questions instead of someone else reflecting back to you, it's like going back and 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 looking as an observer at your life and just asking questions. For me, it started out when I was younger saying, why do I feel this way? And why am I reacting this way? Just simple, right? Because not everybody reacts the same way. I use astrology in some of the stuff that I do because astrology, when I was 21, was even though I loved astrology before that, but I really started learning astrology. I was in college and I remember thinking, oh, okay. This gives me reasons as to why people see things differently. I mean, there are so many ways that we interpret differently, but this made sense because I used to think, why is everyone not upset about this? Like, why am I so upset about this? And I'm looking at everybody else and they're not reacting the same way I am. Well, it's because they're not interpreting it the same way I am. So therefore their feelings are different than mine, but I didn't know that. And I had no tool to understand that. All I had, because that's what we walk around and we look at people and we think we're this, we think we're all the same. We think that if I value this, then you should value this. If I don't like that, then you shouldn't like that. If that makes no sense to me, I have no idea why you don't see that that doesn't make sense, right? But we don't understand, again, how we see the world differently or how we interpret. So that that deep sort of conscious exploration of yourself as to who, who am I? How am I built? What's important to me and why? And how is that different than other people around me? My parents, my siblings, my spouses, my children. What makes me unique or different? Not in a good or bad way, like I'm good at this or I'm bad at this. Just sort of like what, what's a value to me? And there's so many ways to start to look at that, right? Tools of all kinds to start to ask those questions. But rather than the shoulds. And I think that's where, for me, I didn't also like talk therapy because I don't believe in the diagnosis. I do not support the um, the diagnosis. I have someone I'm working with right now. She was in therapy for 20 years. She is a mental health practitioner. And she, was di- she had a diagnosis and she recently had sort of, let's say, a surge in that diagnosis. And for a second, I thought, okay, am I out of my league here? I had to check in with myself. And then I went, nope. And I went back to her and I asked her, I said, let me ask you in the 20 years that you've been medicated because she was off her meds for like a year. Has anyone ever tested your gut health? Nope. Okay. Has anyone ever tested the Sinesco test, your, your brain chemistry, your neurotransmitters? Has anyone ever tested that? Nope. I was like, okay. So what we're doing is numbing you through pharmacology, but we're actually not creating new neural pathways. We're not looking at how the gut plays in the brain. And we're just assuming based on certain behavioral patterns 
and we're going to label you as broken. That's what I hate about actually the whole therapy model because people then wear that like they're broken and they never get on. That becomes an excuse to behave badly. It becomes an excuse for why you should love me more or I should be able to get away with certain things. And that dynamic is super toxic. And, and so for me, when, when we look at why do I react this way? Who am I? Well, how am I built? And why? What's the belief underneath that, that? That's what do I believe about life? I mean, it can be a super deep dive, but it can be as easy as why did I react that way? Or why do I feel this way? I have tons of tools and, and all of them address these in different ways, but it, you get to know who you are in so many different facets that to me, because you're with you all the time and you may outgrow your therapist or your trainer or your doctor or your friend or your spouse or, you know, but no one's going to know that but you. And if we delegate to other people to tell us who we are, we never get ahead of this. We never really learn. We're never self-sufficient. That's why I'm an empowerment strategist. I'm an empowering minds network. It's all about empowerment because at every it's about you understanding that you're the source. And from that, you do have power all the time. And most people, because they delegate, they delegate to doctors, they delegate to pharmaceutical, they delegate to the government, they delegate to whomever, to their spouses, to their parents, to tell them who they are. That's powerlessness. That's where depression and anxiety come from. So we have to take our power back. And I think the simplest thing you can just start asking yourself is, why do I feel this way? What's my interpretation of what's going on that creates this feeling? And then there's, of course, like a whole structure. I have like this whole feelings and needs list. And ultimately, any negative feeling is created because a need is not being met or the perception of a need is not being met. So that structure is where I start everybody. Every program, every course, everything is always giving them a tool to instantaneously take their power back in any situation and understand how they can get their needs met and not ask anyone else to be different. Because again, if we're based on conditional living, then we are, a, a, we are a victim to conditional living. And that's always, oh, I can't be happy unless this. You have to change. My boss this, my husband this, my kids this, right? And then it's just this dance of this like drama that never changes because you, you being happier, better, wholer, healthier means that everyone else has to fall in line to your picture. And that's never going to happen. So how do we self-empower? How do we get to know who we are? And then how do we self-nurture? Not because we don't need others. We're going to ask for help. We're going to want to connect with people. But ultimately, how do we take that power back in a, in a loving, conscious, respectful, full body integration of knowing that I'm the creator of my own reality and I have the power to do that and change at any time? So, so just to like encapsulate that for people in, in understanding their identity, it's really like um, maybe one, not look at external sources for validating who you are, who you're supposed to be creating tools or generating a system to reintegrate those pieces of you and, you know, and so on and so forth. So um, I'm always trying to think of like simplification because we can go down rabbit holes in all these different directions, but how do we just kind of keep it simple so that people can start to take an action step towards their, mm-hmm. towards their healing? Good. Yeah. And what it sounds like really it's the first step is awareness to know that you are actually wearing all these masks and Mm. playing out all these roles and carrying these identities that were never really yours to begin with and that you can give yourself permission to release them to find out what's beneath all of that one simple exercise that i've given um a lot of my patients is first thing in the morning when you see yourself in the mirror what's the dialogue that's coming up 
because often that dialogue that's coming up is re- is reaffirming a certain identity. Maybe maybe that dialogue is about your to do list because you've got young kids, you have to do this, 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 and this. So now there's that role of being mother and trying to manage all of that that's coming up. And often with that's going to come with it, not enough, not doing enough and all these other limiting beliefs. So when we can start to identify these patterns and thoughts, then we can incorporate those exercises, those pause moments, those questions to be like, whoa, where where else have I seen this? Did my, did my mother model this for me? And did that show up from her? And, and her mother probably modeled it for her. It kind of, it can give us more grace to actually do that self-discovery piece and it doesn't have to feel so heavy then too I think it just gives us permission to discover more of who we actually are so how do you help individuals once they've discovered that once they realize okay this isn't my identity and this is who I am what are some tangible things that people can do every day to lock in this new pattern or to really shift that old you know, like the, the, the neurons and all of that, like, what are some things that people can do at home to help support that? Well, I just picked up one of the, the tool I was just talking about and it's mm-hmm. very user-friendly and, and, um, and I have a free download of it that people can have. Um, it comes along with a, a scale of emotion. So to understand an emotional frequency and where you are on that. So to be able to identify sort of how, you know, in the, ne- in the positive you are, or where are you on the negative or how do I sort of change that dynamic? Um, because you're right, we could go down. I love this stuff and could talk for days without taking a breath um, to go into all of, because at the same time, I don't want people to be attached to their identity. I want you to change, right? You can tell the story of here's where I've come from, which makes sense of why I am the way I am. But ultimately you get to decide who you are and you get to change that. We first want to sort of acknowledge where you've come from so we can put down and let go of and change the story. And that's what I'm all about is changing the story. I asked Nisha for a testimonial about the work they do. And that was what she said, that I help people change their stories. Because the problem is most people stay stuck in their story. That's what the problem is with therapy. Therapists don't necessarily challenge your story. They just keep talking about your story. (laughs) And half the time it's about what happened yesterday. It's like, okay, this is not, this is not useful. Everything that happened yesterday comes back to our core wounds. So I will say first... I, I do have people, all people also work with a core wound exercise to understand. I treat emotions diagnostically like a physician. We're going to look at what the problem is. So the test is let's go find out what the core wounds are. So we know what we're dealing with. If we just go situationally with your current relationship or what happened when you were 25 or whatever, we're not, we're not getting to the root. The root is the core wounds that happened between zero and 10 that have been running your entire life and every choice you've made since then. Now that's a separate exercise, but and that we're not going to talk about that one because that's too too much. And you can't really, that one I don't advise necessarily doing on your own. But this one, this is an em- empowering tool. I call it the three steps of effective communication. It comes from the work of Dr. Marshall Rosenberg and nonviolent communication. Terrible title, amazing book. Uh, <laughs> I would love to rewrite that book, but I've moved on to bigger and better things. So I, I've extracted this exercise from his work. Uh, and so it's, it's three questions and here's how the questions go. And I'm going to take this outside of the concept of identity, because regardless of who you think you are, you know, when you don't feel good and you know, when you're triggered and you know, when there's a problem. So you would do this exercise anytime you don't feel positive emotion. You'll never do it when you feel positive emotion because you're happy and you're good. Right. But the minute you're agitated or frustrated or have rage or angry or sad or fearful or worried, You'd go, okay, let's start to examine. So step one, the question you ask is, what am I feeling? Now that may be very obvious to people, 
But most people don't have a vocabulary of feelings. They're like, yeah, I'm mad. I'm happy. I'm sad. I'm uh, right. There's a hundred different feeling words on this list. And the reason why it's, it's really important to fine tune that is because there's a vibrational intensity difference between frustrated and rage. Yes. And those are very different emotions, either that, even though they're under mad, <laughs> they're under anger, but frustrated is like slightly angry and rage is explosive. So we have to be able to differentiate what I'm actually feeling both in my body. How does that show up in my body? Am I tense? Am I tight? Is my stomach doing knots? Am I having a headache? Am I, is my neck stiff? Whatever happens for you, we want to go into and connect with the physical body, but we also want to, we want to name it. We want to have a, some kind of way to identify it. So we start with what am I feeling? The second question is what need is not being met that's creating this feeling? Now, again, let me just say need does not mean needy. You're not dependent. You're not weak. It's, there's no shame. There's no judgment in this. There are 86 basic human needs on this list because we all have a need for acknowledgement, awareness, freedom, creativity, compassion, safety, shelter, and so on. Okay. So step two would be to identify what the need is. This is the hardest part because not people, people are not really aware. It's again, it's super conditional and attached to other people. So what will happen is someone will say, well, I'm angry because my husband, blah, blah, blah. Or I'm upset because my boss. So usually the first thing you think of is not the right one because <laughs> it's attached to a story. So we have to go underneath it, probably a couple of layers, actually, because the third question, once you understand your need, is how do I get, what are the strategies, more than one, I like three, what are the strategies that I can take to get my need met that doesn't require anyone else to be different? Okay, if you master this, yeah, if you master this, it will take half of your problems away, I promise you, because most of the the drama and the negative feelings and the hurt feelings and the misunderstandings come from this place where we think that other people can make us happy or other people should try to make us happy, whether we're sad or, you know, or whatever, or, or not to hurt our feelings. So if we take that back, so it's a very simple, but not easy exercise that, like I said to people, if you can just do this, you're going to be good to go for a real long time because coming underneath the need in itself, you start to realize, wow, like I had that, that attachment to that thing, like realizing that, oh, I can get that myself. And I've got tons of examples uh, of that, but it's it's a super powerful exercise. And if anybody I love that. Listening, so let's let's run through those again. So the first one is really recognizing the emotional state that you're in, right? And the second, and then the second part is is reinterpreting the need that you think is not being met, <clears throat> but maybe there is in fact something underneath there that that would highlight or move you towards understanding or truly understanding what is that need that that need is. So it's a partner not listening to you, or maybe you need. Uh, the actual need is just to be heard or something like that. And then the last one is sort of the action step in order to meet the need. Is that right? Yourself. To yourself. Yourself yes. without, without the validation of someone else. Or without, it, it's, it can be, you don't want to say, like, let's say intimacy, for instance, and a, and a wife says, well, I need to be more intimate. So therefore I have to tell my husband, he has to be more intimate with me. Of course, you may want to say, hey, I have, a, I have a need to be more intimate. Would you like to help me with that? But ultimately, there has to be another way for you to find intimacy because otherwise, all the pressure is on the other person. Again, it's this sort of victim blame game thing that we have yeah. going on. 
when, and you can participate, you can ask people to participate in helping you to get your needs met. You just can't put the blame on them or make them do it for you. You have yeah. to be able to find ways, different ways to get your need met, whether it's with people or not with people, but you want to have a couple of them so that you can see that you're not stuck and that you do have freedom and that you can get these needs met. And that in, in itself gives people confidence and like a fulfillment, this empowerment, like, mm-hmm. oh, well, I can do that. And then all yeah. of a sudden you feel better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, no, so not putting the responsibility on the other individual, it's actually taking responsibility mm-hmm. on, on your yeah. own. That, that's huge. I mean, those, I think of Tony Robbins, you know, he talks about the three things, uh, three questions asked, like, what are you focusing on? What kind of meaning are you giving it? And then what kind of action you're taking that's serving the meaning that you're, you're creating for things like this. And I find that steps like this are really so helpful for people to really to capture a moment because to your point, most of us aren't really paying attention to what we're feeling. We're just feeling like crap and their vocabulary for feeling like crap involves three or four words. Um, what's her name? Uh, Dr. The Alice of the Heart. She talk- Brene, Brown. Brene Brown. She talks about, uh, maybe she's not a doctor. No. Anyways, uh, she talks about just the vocabulary of emotion. You got a new book called yeah, The, the so- Sadness or Sorrow or something or the yeah, it's like different ways of tapping into sorrow. And it was defining sadness, how yeah. originally the word came from Latin phrase satis, and that actually means fulfillment. But the way we use sadness today is as if it's despair. Totally. And so we're confusing that vibration or that energy that these words hold. And then that's what starts to fuel our reaction to the experience. And, you know, what you were just speaking about with the three questions or the three statements and the three ways of looking at this, um, some of the listeners that are listening today, like we often talk about food relationship in that same way. And often, well, food is sometimes the thing that we're using to fill a need. And when we can shift that into finding something else that fulfills that comfort or fulfills that within us, all of a sudden the relationship with food starts to change. So I want the listeners to really understand Mm -hmm. that these three things can be applied everywhere in their health, in their relationships, in their careers, like all of it can be the foundation to help support that. Yeah, beautiful. Can I like poke into that a little bit? Yes. So I would classify food as one of the addictions we have to numb ourselves from feelings. Mm -hmm. But when you said the food shows up as a need, so let's say someone feels like they need connection, Mm -hmm. but they look at their life and they're, they're single and they want love, but they don't, they're not getting it from anybody else. So they use food to sort of self love themselves. Mm -hmm. Right. But then that's creating an imbalance and a problem because that's not what they're looking for. They're looking Mm -hmm. for human connection, not for food to make that connection in their body. So in the moment before they eat something, if they were to recognize that what their need really was, and it could be connection or maybe not, it could be another need. I'm just sort of throwing that out there. But if it's okay, I'm, I'm coming home, I've worked all day, uh, or celebration, right. They may want celebration, but they just want to feel nurtured. If they want to feel nurtured and there's no one else there to nurture them, food becomes the easiest way to sort of try to get that. But it's actually, you know, it's very empty. It's very, it's not going to get them what they actually want or need. It's just something that's going to fulfill them in the moment. It's going to, you know, make their brain, depending on what they're eating, you know, a serotonin flush, potentially if you're eating a lot of sugar, and then you're going to feel good for like a half a minute, then you're going to feel bad about it because it didn't actually give you the need that you want. So if we can recognize that some of our habits come from this distraction of what the real need is. So instead of overeating or choosing things that you think are going to make you feel better, pick up the phone and call somebody and, you know, connect with the human that you, cause you're looking for connection. You have to be proactive in your life about your needs. No one else knows how you feel and what you need. You have to be in charge of that. And so I just think that I agree with you that 
I mean, for me, definitely as a personal trainer, like working with people that, you know, wouldn't deal with, that's why I had to eventually sort of retire because when, if you're not going to deal with your emotions and your stress, and then the minute you topple over and you're in this extreme stress and your way to deal with it is to drink too much and to eat too much and to go on a binger, if you will, you know, bender, binger, whatever. Uh, and like, we're never going to get anywhere because you're not taking responsibility for the fact that all the work that we're doing here in a, in a nanosecond gets washed away because the real root cause of this problem isn't because you don't know how to exercise or eat right. It's because you're, you're allowing your stress to rule your life. And you've become a victim to your circumstances and you're using food and alcohol to numb it and to reward yourself in the moment. So I couldn't do it any longer. I was like, okay, I can't because you guys aren't willing to look under the hood. If you're not looking under the hood, then thank you. I love you. Good luck to you. Here's some other people you can work with. But I really want to work with people that are ready and also know that, you know, you'd asked me in the beginning why, like, this is a scary road for people. And if you have sexual abuse or big traumas that you're trying to run away from because you don't want to relive them, because I think in traditional talk therapy, the reason why people don't like it, and I'm not saying there's some people that love it. And I think why men hate it is because there's no structure. But what I think the problem is, is that they think they have to talk about it for years and dive into it and keep talking about it. It's like, no, that's what the core wound exercise is for. Let's get in and get out. We don't have to spend time there. People don't want to revisit the things that hurt them emotionally the most because they don't want to feel it, even though you have to feel it to heal it. So I think that that's why most people go, oh, I don't want to go sit and talk about my feelings and what happened to me. That's terrible. And I agree. That is terrible. But if we don't have how to get in and get out and problem solve the need and look at how we can gently, the difference to me between coaching and therapy is that when you go to a therapy session, you're, you're on this time, right? And you get in and you talk about how you feel and you talk about your what happened to you. And then me, you know, if you're in a couple session, maybe your partner's not so keen on being there. And maybe, you know, 30 minutes goes past. And then maybe right now you're starting to get into something good. Oh, here comes the meat. Oh, we're here now. There's been trust. We're at 35, 40 minutes. You feel like crap. We're digging in. Oh, you got to go. It's 10 till. Goodbye. And you feel like crap. And you leave thinking, well, I felt worse leaving than I did going in. Who wants to go do that over and over again? I'm not a masochist. I don't want to go do that. That's stupid, right? But in coaching, you get the ability to come in with what's the problem. What are we working on? Maybe there's an emotional release somewhere in there. And then you're feeling better when you leave, hopeful, positive. Maybe it's not done, but we feel in light, we feel positive and hopeful and expanded and purposeful, not taking this with me for the next week and wondering why I feel so bad and why I keep doing this to myself. So, uh, you know, this whole, this is probably the, I start everyone here. And again, I can give you guys the link to people who want to download it. When I have people, I say, you know, make multiple copies of this, have it in your car, in your purse, in your bedroom, in your office, in your kitchen, put it on, you know, if there's a problem, you're in a fight with your person or before you get in a fight, you're agitated, figure it out, figure out why. And then you may not need to disrupt a relationship because you can get your need met realizing that it's not about that person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's so much importantness mm-hmm. <laughs> in that. That's, that must be in the that's, list. That's a new yeah. word, importantness. <laughs> I um, like it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in all of that, because it really is that framework that we can utilize in every aspect of our life. And so we often end our shows with this one particular question that, um, again, kind of looking at more of the bigger picture of even why this work is so important and how we can actually move humanity forward and how we can create these ripple effects in the world by really working on this emotional body that is 
often ignored and distracted and all the things that we were just talking about. But for you as an individual, if you understood that tomorrow was your last day here to be able to do that, what's the imprint that you want to leave behind? Or what's the message that you want humanity to really sink into? That I every choice that you make, every choice, again, every choice you make is because you want to feel better. This stuff rules your entire life. There is nothing that you do that is not involved in searching for or reaching for another form of relief or happiness or love or joy. That's it. Everything from the person you're with to the job that you have to the choices you make about everything. You can dial it back to, you know, I need to have a job so I can pay my bills. So I need safety. Okay. Well, why do you need safety? So that I can feel, so I can feel safe. So I can feel better. So I can feel relief, right? It's all dial it back day underneath anything that you think that you choose and underneath it will be so I can feel better. So if this isn't, if this isn't to me, the most important conversation, this to me is all of it. Because again, on the quant under the quantum physics umbrella, that's where healing happens. When you're in alignment, when you're feeling good, when you're feeling centered, when you have that sort of sense of trying to find another word for alignment for those that don't resonate with that, with that. But when I feel good in my body, when I feel trusting of the process, when I surrender to life and to, and to trusting myself and, and you know, what we're, what we're doing here in this time and space and this physical body, when you're there, like life's awesome and, and you can handle anything. And if then the physical, the physical body will shift and change for you, like the container of being happy and in alignment and hopeful, just hopeful. If you feel hopeful and free, you are more than halfway there to your body helping to heal itself without any other kind of physical things. The physical things absolutely help. Not to obviously I come from a personal training background. Uh, they absolutely help, but, and they're easier. But this is where it's all at, guys. This is to me, the motions are number one, the most important thing. It's why when you're little, what do you want to be when you grow up? Whatever you're thinking of, because it sounds fun. It sounds like joyful. And that's what we, and we lose that. We get so damn serious and we're so worried about doing it right. What is right? I don't know. What's right for you? Ultimately, it's just to feel better, to get acceptance, to get love, right? So that would be my message. Uh, and hopefully I'll, I'll be one of those legacy podcasts that I get to make my shows go year after year after my, after I leave this earth so that people can enjoy and hopefully get hope and support once I'm not here. Mm, Love you. it. You know, I, I kind of think that the, I, I imagine people hear that and, and I was trying to think of people interpreting that message of um, every decision they make is, is one that's towards wanting to feel good because I think there's a lot of people stuck in victim and whatnot that they, they make a choice because they feel like they have to. And, and I think like the, the invite that you've, you know, really articulated on this podcast is that when we get clear on, on those questions towards ourselves and really understand the emotion and the feeling and, and why we're making the decisions we are, we'll start to actually unpack that. Yeah. In fact, that's it. That was, that was the whole goal. Uh, maybe it was to feel accepted or, you know, uh, stuck in a martyr like reality because you want recognition or something else. Like there's something there. And I think like, I just wanted to to articulate that for people to, to really investigate what she's saying here, because I think that's a really, really important message. And so I love that you shared that. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Thank you so much for your time. I think this yeah. is a conversation that needs to happen over and over again, because 
we're in full agreement. Like emotions are everything and they drive our lens through like every experience we have is through the lens of emotion yeah, and, and, they're, and they're, they're roadmap, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're like uh, a teacher, um, a, a yoga teacher calls them the senses of the soul. And I really resonated with that because they really are ways that we can get more deeper knowledge of how we operate. And if we can connect to them, we can use them as a superpower and they don't have to control us anymore. Mm-hmm. So JJ, how can people find your your network, your consciousness, uh, your empowerment network? Please just share, you know, where people can can get your resources. Uh, JJFilzanes.com. I mean, minus this sheet that I have to give you a separate link. It's JJFilzanes.com forward slash feelings list. That's with an S, feelings list, because that is not public. That's only um, for you guys. So they can get that there. But everything else is at jjfilzanes.com. My podcast, my network, that three reasons why talk therapy is ineffective. I even did one on uh, how emotions affect healing and disease. And yeah, and everything is there. So it's one-stop shop, all my social media. Everything's at jjfilzanes.com. Thank you. Love it. Thanks so much. It was a fun conversation. Really appreciate it. Honor to be here. Thank you, guys. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Health Ignited podcast. Be sure to download, subscribe, and share as we build this conscious community together. You can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and our website, drsjensen.com. Please note all information on this podcast is not and should not be taken as medical advice. Please see a healthcare professional to receive the care needed. Thank you for sharing this time with us, igniting your health freedom. And welcome to the tribe. 